Blog Talk Radio. In these pages, we will be surprised to find pieces of our own stories asking us to know ourselves better, realizing that life goes on, filled with hope and work, progress and achievement in every sector of cosmic life in keeping with God's laws. Dear Kadek Radio listeners, welcome back to And Life Goes On. My name is Francisca Fehrenbach. And I am Mackenzie Mello. Hi Mackenzie, how are you? Hi, friend. I'm doing all right here, and I hear that baby Hermine is right there by your side. Yes, yeah, she is. <laughs> Commenting, too. Yeah, good, good. Last week, we talked about a short introduction to the study and what's lying ahead of us with these books, And Life Goes On. And today, we're going to talk a little bit about Chapter 1 which will introduce us to the main characters, Evelina and Ernesto. But before we start, Mackenzie, could you say an opening prayer, please? Oh, yeah, sure. So as we usually do before we start to take in some of these words from these spiritual teachings, we always like to do a short prayer so that we enter more in focus with the good spirits to be inspired by the words so that they can touch us really deeply, so that we can understand the teachings, not only with our minds, but also with our hearts. So if you feel inclined to do so, you may close your eyes, and let's just think about God, our Creator, saying, Dear God, the greatest lover of all, the Creator of the universe, and of our yet small hearts. We would like to thank you once again for the opportunity of being born, of being here, of being able to see life through the lights of love, the love that Jesus came amongst many other to teach us how to see the world in this better light, but also to teach us how to do it, how to do it like him how to become a better person. So, we would like to ask you to inspire us to become this new person, to see the world through this light, so that we can walk the right path towards perfections, towards a better progress, so that we can help this world to become a better place. And with this prayer, we'd like to ask your blessing for all of us who are listening to this show at this moment, and may we feel your, your peace and your love and your harmony, not only now, but always and always. So be it. So be it. So let's now listen to the reading of chapter one and find out who Evelina is and how she meets Ernesto. And Life Goes On Chapter 1 
an unexpected meeting. The wind was playing with the dry leaves when Evelina Serpa, Mrs. Serpa, decided to sit on a bench that seemed to be inviting her to rest. The garden-decorated square was quiet in the silence of the warm afternoon. There were only a few tourists at the Minas Gerais resort during that second week of October, and among them was Mrs. Serpa, accompanied by an assistant who had remained behind in the hotel room. Feeling a craving to be alone, Mrs. Serpa had escaped the bustle of domestic life. She had wanted to think things over, and that is why she was now hiding beneath the green canopy, gazing at the rows of blooming azaleas that took pride in announcing that spring had come. Nestled amid the dense foliage, she gave wing to her thoughts. The family doctor had recommended that she rest to build up her strength before surgery. As she weighed the advantages and risks of the operation, she allowed the memories of her short life to pass through her mind. She had gotten married six years ago. At first, everything had been a golden boat ride on waves of blue, a husband in happiness. In their second year of marriage came the pregnancy they had lovingly hoped for. However, along with the pregnancy, the disease had appeared. Her body was found to be failing. Her kidneys were incapable of handling any overload, and her heart was like an engine about to sputter and quit. Her gynecologist had suggested a therapeutic abortion, and despite the couple's enormous sorrow, the fetus was plucked from the maternal cloister like a baby bird kicked from the nest. Since then, the journey of her life had become a pathway of tears. Caio, her husband, had metamorphosed into a courteous friend who no longer had any romantic interest in her. He had easily fallen under the spell of another, a young, single woman whose intelligence and vivaciousness Evelina could deduce from the notes he forgot about in his pockets and which were filled with passionate words and kisses imprinted on the paper by her red lipstick. The loneliness and disenchantment she endured at home were perhaps the factors that unleashed the dreadful bouts of overwhelming heaviness she periodically felt in her chest. On such occasions, she experienced nausea, excruciating headaches, an overall cold feeling, a burning sensation in her hands and feet, and a noticeable rise in blood pressure. At the height of her agony, she thought she was about to die. Soon thereafter, however, she would recover, only to fall into the same critical condition a few days later when the setbacks with her husband were repeated. Her energy had deteriorated, her strength was waning. For more than two years, she had gone from doctor to doctor, from specialist to specialist. The unanimous diagnosis had finally arrived. Only a risky surgical procedure might possibly restore her health. Deep down, something was telling her intuitively that this physical problem was very serious indeed and could perhaps lead to her death. Who really knew for sure? She asked herself. 
she could hear the chirping sparrows, whose voices provided background music for her thoughts, and she began evaluating her life in terms of aspirations and failures. Was it really worth it to avoid the dangerous surgery only to continue as a sick woman living with a man who had disregarded his marital vows? And wasn't it reasonable to accept the aid that medical science might offer her so that she could recover her health and fight for a new life in case her husband deserted her completely? She was only 26 years old. Wasn't it right for her to wait for new routes to happiness in the fields of time? Although she missed her father tremendously, he had discarnated when she was still a very small child, she had been brought up as an only child by her loving, devoted mother, who in turn had provided her with a kind and caring stepfather. These two, along with her husband, were her entire family back home. Immersed in the soft breezes of the sunset, she thought of her loved ones, her husband, her dear mother, and her stepfather far away. Suddenly, she remembered her deceased father and her baby that had been taken before being born. She was religious, a practicing Roman Catholic, and as for life after death, she held to the ideas that were fundamental to her faith. Where might her father and child be right now? She wondered. If she were to die because of her disease, would she see them again? If so, where? Wasn't it reasonable to think about this since the idea of death was constantly on her mind? She was deeply immersed in this inner monologue when somebody appeared in front of her. It was an older gentleman whose friendly smile immediately piqued her interest and curiosity. Mrs. Serpa? He asked respectfully. As she nodded in startled confirmation, he added, Please forgive me for being so bold, but I heard that you live in Sao Paulo. So do I. Through highly unexpected circumstances, a friend told me that you and I both have the same health problem. I would love to hear about it, said the young woman, noticing his embarrassment. In response to the kindness in her voice, he introduced himself. Nothing to be alarmed about, Mrs. Serpa. Ernesto Fantini, at your service. Pleased to meet you, said Evelina, and gazing at that wrinkled, disease-stricken face, she added, Sit down and rest. Here we are in this huge square, and apparently we're the only ones presently interested in the refreshing atmosphere it has to offer. Encouraged by her friendliness, Fantini sat down next to her and continued to speak, engaging in a dialogue guided by mutual attraction. The owner of the hotel where we are staying made friends with your assistant. I found out through her that you too are facing a difficult surgery. Two? Yes, because I myself am in the same situation. Oh? My blood pressure is out of sync and my whole body is out of whack. I have been seeing specialists for over three years now. Finally, the X-rays verdict. I have an adrenal gland tumor. I suspect it's quite serious. I see, replied Evelina hesitatingly, looking very pale. 
I know just what you mean. You don't have to tell me. Every so often you must experience the same symptoms. Your chest tightens, your heartbeat goes crazy, your head and stomach hurt, the veins in your neck pop out, you feel cold and hot at the same time, and death seems to be at the door. Exactly. And you feel better for a while, only to have it start all over again the next time you get upset. You know what it's like. Unfortunately. The doctor told me the name of my disease a number of times. What about yours? Fantini took a tiny notebook from his pocket and read aloud the exact word that defined his health problem. Mrs. Serpa could barely disguise her discomfort on hearing that scientific term, but getting a hold of herself, she confirmed. Yes, speaking for my doctor, my husband told me that's what I have. The newcomer realized how troubled Evelina was and tried to be humorous. Well, at least we have a disease with a rare and pretty name. Which doesn't mean we don't suffer frequent and ugly symptoms. She replied charmingly. Fantini looked up at the blue afternoon sky as if he wanted to take the conversation to the next level. Evelina followed his pause in emotion-filled silence showing that she too felt like lifting the conversation above the suffering and that she was eager to reflect and philosophize. Translator's Note Minas Gerais Resort is located in Poços de Caldas as recalled by characters in Chapter 6. Poços de Caldas is a resort city located in the Brazilian state of Minas Gerais in southeastern Brazil. Known principally for its thermal baths, it is situated on a stream called Poços de Caldas, near the Pardo River. This note was taken from the website Britannica.com. Yeah, dear friends, so let's just summarize a little bit for us to remember for the future weeks who Evelina Serpa was in her last incarnation, which is described here in this book, And Life Goes On. So she tells us that she's 26 years young and that she got married at age 20 to Caio. And despite her initial happiness in the marriage, followed by a well-wished-for pregnancy, the down spiral began when the disease appeared, a disease that made it impossible for her to carry the child until the end of pregnancy, and that's why the gynecologist suggested a therapeutic abortion, which was very hard for her because they really wanted to have a child. So some of the troubles she had were having to do with the kidneys, and the heart that weren't working in the way that they need to for us to support our lives. And that was the turning point in her marriage too because from that time on when she was when she became frail and ill, her husband lost interest in her because his 
dreams were dashed as well of a strong woman, a mother, taking care of the home and family. So he started to have an affair with another uh, healthy woman. And Evelina um, found out because he had forgotten some notes in his pockets. And so she was devastating, not knowing what to do. She was very sad and but helpless too because whenever she thought about her struggles with Kayo, she became, I would call, a crisis or a fit with a lot of headaches, nausea, feeling cold but noticing blood pressure rising and it was a big crisis for her. When it stopped, it would come back as soon as she thought about negatively again about her husband. Isn't that interesting, Mackenzie? It, it is right here where we start to see where this, this book is going to uh, go and where we are, what we're going to see you know, between these connections that we make on what we are thinking and what we are feeling, how we are acting and what uh, this action leads on to our life. So it is, it is very powerful the way that we can clearly notice that her health declines once her mind starts to stray from a certain type of path or a certain type of of um, of thinking of type style of thinking naturally of course that um, our body has quote unquote here a mind of its own meaning that of course it's matter it will decay it's it's not going to last forever it's it's matter it that's how that's how it goes and then of course because of that it will have its own failures but right here we can start to see and of course we already know this but can you imagine uh 1968 and even before that because of course as as friend already said this is the last book of of this series but uh, the books about this matter although in a different way were being were being published by Chico Xavier since uh what 20 25 years prior to this one with with no solar and uh uh, the, the connection between our minds, our thoughts, and our body. These days, as I was saying, uh, lots of people talk about this. And it's not as if, uh, even as if Andre Luis was bringing news, because we we all hear from time to time that, that sentence, um, mind sane, uh, body saying, right, as uh, something similar to that, as, uh, as saying that what we think... Uh, reflects on what our body feels and here we see we see that very clearly right the more uh, she is frail like friend said she has this disease a kidney disease that goes and stops and goes and and comes back goes and comes back and but when she stop when she starts thinking uh, good things then something uh, good uh, for her health shows up and then when she uh, falls down then the body goes down with her and we will see this later on in the book maybe a few more times 
uh, so that we can clearly see this this connection, how important it is for us to, even from the start of the book, you know, have uh, this this teaching or this lesson that how important it is for us to um, to keep our minds focused on what is good, to to make an effort to see the positive side on everything and on all things that are happening around us. It is natural that, of course, we cannot keep it up, at least not as of right now, most of the times or all the time uh, in in our day-to-day lives. But it's an effort that we should strive to make because if we know that this will, this leads us to a good place, to a better uh, lifestyle, to a better life, why not strive to do it most frequently, then start, then then lose this faith and then decay with with the body. So it is it is indeed very very interesting that we that we see this. And what is interesting, friend, too, is that the very very beginning of the book, or the very first uh, paragraphs, right right before she starts to tell her story, uh, we know where she is at that moment, and what she. We know that from what Andre Lewis is telling us is that she wanted, and this is a quote from the book, she had wanted to think things over. And that is why she is now hiding beneath the green canopy. Uh, and right there at that uh, station, at that place that was um, uh, gathered people you know, to think about, to, to recuperate, to recuperate from whatever they are feeling, uh, so that he could build the strength for what was to come, and it is interesting to to make this connection here that uh, it is when she is there, you know, trying to to uh, become to be better, to improve a little bit her health before a surgery that she will will be put through in a few days, that she uh, has a, a time to think things over, to really put her mind into it, to improve her body, not only by resting the body, but also by changing her mind about the body, by changing her mind about what is uh, what is life, what, what will come um, from this. And that's uh, one of the things that she will think about it, of course, because she's facing a surgery, she's facing this disease that she doesn't know exactly what can bring to her. But a lot of people say that, you know, it's a disease that she will probably perish from it. She will she will die from it. And then uh, the only solution is to make this surgery, which is a tentative surgery. Nobody knows what the what the result will be. Uh, but it's a last resort to try to solve the physical problem. And so now she, after thinking about all this, about all her life and, and telling us or telling herself, right, thinking about all the things she, she had and she's, she's lived through for only 26 years, right? She's so young and I loved when you said she was 26 years young, not 26 years old, right? So, uh, because she is very young and, and, uh, now she, she finds herself in this, at this moment, uh, facing this surgery, facing this problem. And of course, there are these bouts of, of, um, doubt, of questioning what's going to happen. Am I going to die or not? And that's when, uh, we, we, we know from her, right, that she, uh, was a Roman Catholic, 
that she, and then she remembers her her father that already died she remembers her her son uh, the baby we don't know if it was a boy or a girl uh, the baby that that died that was plucked from her because of her disease and uh, she starts to think about what is life after death right and as as a roman catholic that she, that's what she believed she believed uh, what the roman catholics uh, believe uh, i mean what where where are they what what are they doing right now do are they alive what uh, no what what's what's happening right there and um of course and that is uh, something that's very interesting for us to to think about too is we are spiritists and these things that we are reading here in these books that we are studying and uh, books from Arlan Kardec and all the other writers and and uh, people that study spiritism will tell us uh, what happens but can we imagine if we didn't have that and what kinds of questions and doubts would would come up uh, in our minds and come up every day to a lot of people around the world what's going to happen what's going to happen after after I die what happened to my mother that that died or my father or somebody that I loved that just uh, departed so these are questions that are uh, very important for us to reflect upon and at this very moment they are popping up because she is actually feeling that she doesn't know what's going to happen to her and the circumstances make her think about that and fortunately for us in some degree and that's where i i leave friend to 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 keep going with our story um fortunately for us we we are are already thinking about this way before we die way before we are start to worry about dying or another person dying so that we can at least be a little bit more prepared for how we do things in life for that moment that will certainly happen be it a, be it for for us ourselves be it for a person that we love be it for a person that we work with so that we can get prepared for those moments that are inev inevitable that will happen uh, to all and to any of us who are listening right now right friend yeah, that's right, Mackenzie. And um, her story is a reminder for us that these essential questions of life and death and the purpose of life, it's good for us if we are able, like you said, to deal with them or to think, to start thinking about them when we are here, not waiting before a disease might hit us or somebody whom we love is going to die because the cycle of life and death is ongoing. And as you said last week, it's in our understanding, the spiritual understanding, it's being, dying is being reborn to the spiritual life and coming back from the spiritual life to earth is being reborn here. So it's, it's actually more a transition and transformation of our states, but the spirit stays the same, independent what kind of body we have or how we look in this incarnation or in the spirit life. So um, she was thinking about these matters and seeing the surgery as her last resort as well 
um, because she, that's an interesting thing as well, because she wasn't willing to continue that sad life that she was leading next to her husband who had lost her interest. And of course, we're not judging, we're just opening our hearts and minds here to think about, hmm, okay, is that our attitude as well? Are we, do we want to leave? Although she doesn't say consciously, it's like in her situation, the chances that she might get better, but most likely she will not because nobody tried that surgery before. But in her mindset, she she was tired of that life, of the loneliness and um, the sadness she felt being abandoned despite her husband still living with her under the same roof. So um, it's more for us to think about our attitudes and to go to uh, recognize what are our, what are our inner thoughts and what is our motivation. Why do we want to do things? I guess the point that I'm trying to make is for us to to analyze for ourselves how our attitude is in difficult situations in life and how can we get stronger so that we can get through difficult situations without giving up in our minds like she does in a way. So she gets interrupted um, from her ponderations by Ernesto, right? Yeah, that's right. And then she uh, she's thinking about all this that we were talking about. And uh, Ernesto, or this man, right, this older gentleman comes and starts to, to talk to her, calling her by her last name, Mrs. Serpa, which is really interesting because uh, we can really notice that uh, this book is, is a product of its own time, and by him, um, his name Ernesto, being an older gentleman, he was even older, and uh, that's how we used to, to do it in, in Brazil at the time, and that's how uh, we usually do it here too. A lot of, you know, my daughters, and uh, they, they call her teachers, their teachers by their last name, which is usually a normal here. And I remember when I was growing up that my my father and my grand my grandfather and my grandmother they were all referred to as by their last name. Oh, Mr. Mello. Oh, uh, Mrs. Mello. And here is very interesting because we we really see that this was was really true. And when I was growing up, um, this I, basically I would only call people by their last names if I, w I got used to them. But new people and people that I just met, it was very uncommon to be called by, by the last name. So I find that to be really interesting in a product of the time uh, to show that how, how that is, is really done um, in, a, in a truthful way, let's say, or in, a, in, ex in an experience that was, was really true. So he comes and, and comes and talks to her. And, and tells her that he was uh, he was talking to a friend, and they they were talking and said, oh, probably there's this woman, and she has the same problem as you have. So he decided that he wanted to to come and uh, and be presented and you know uh, know each other. And then he says, oh, nothing to be alarmed. I'm I'm, I'm a friend. And then he he tells his name, and 
of course they are they are sick but um uh, and, and both of them have the the face you know have the the way that uh, a way of talking maybe or or looking as if they are really really sick and they are there for that um that specific reason really to 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 feel better for this for a surgery that will uh, happen very soon uh, uh by the way one thing that we uh that we didn't mention it, or if we did, uh, I apologize, but this place where they are is not at the same, uh, state where they're from. And that's one of the things that he says, right? Oh, I'm, I am from Sao Paulo, just like you. And they say that because this place where they are is in a different state in Brazil called Minas Gerais. And they are that, uh, station or this resort, uh, called, uh, resort city called Poços de Caldas. Uh, you heard it when we, when we read the chapter, uh, there's this uh, note from the translator explaining what it is, and uh, they are there trying to trying to you know comfort each other or at least to to meet each other. And what is interesting, friend, is that they they feel uh, empathetic towards one another because you know sometimes you get to talk to a person and then you start talking, but all of a sudden this. This conversation just dies down, and then you say, "Oh, okay, I'll talk to you later," and you you don't talk about it anymore. But at this, and I can't imagine how many people were there because he just said that there was another person that um, were, was there at the station at the resort, and uh, maybe a lot of other people tried to talk to her and tried to talk to him, but they were not connected in some way, and this. Uh, situation here of being there and maybe having the same disease but maybe a little bit more than that as of course we're going to see throughout the book made them you know feel it, uh, attached to each other or at least sympathetic to each other and they were connected from the beginning although she has a little uh, she has a little hesitant uh, some uh, at some points but it, it is interesting that Although this hesitation, they are they are uh, feeling free to talk about their their diseases and their situations, right? Yeah, that's true. And then um, Ernesto tells that he also has been seeing specialists for over three years, that he's got an adrenal gland tumor, and again remembering that the book was written in '68, so medicine did have. Uh, lesser options than nowadays and he repeats the symptoms that she has and she feels really uncomfortable because uh, she hadn't known anybody else with the same problem like she had um, that's why Ernesto uh, after talking about the difficulties of the disease he uh, makes a joke and says, you know, at least you have a disease with a rare and pretty name. Um, and that's the uh, the point where she as well is willing to change subjects and to talk about more uplifting um, matters instead of staying stuck in the suffering. That's a connection to next week, chapter two, because they will reflect and philosophize. Again, we invite you all to keep on reading the chapters with us before listening to our program. If you have any questions, please 
feel free to contact us on cardiacradio at gmail.com. And we are very much looking forward to getting to know more about Evelina and Ernesto's stories and what we can learn for our own lives with them. And also to, to be back with you again next week on Cardiac Radio. Have a great week, everyone. See you next time.